Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Conversations on Dance is proud to have Yumiko as a continued partner in 2021. Yumiko is a company inspired by beauty and standards. As a leader in the dancewear industry, they take great pride in their impact as a socially and environmentally conscious brand. This month, Yumiko introduced six new mesh tones available for all personalized pieces. And as a summer celebration, Yumiko is offering a special in-store discount to our New York City listeners. Show that you are subscribed to Conversations on Dance at checkout to receive a 10% discount on your in-store purchase. Visit yumiko.com for store hours and be sure to follow along on Instagram, at Yumiko, to stay up to date. The Universal Ballet Competition's 2021-2022 tour is coming soon to a city near you. Universal Ballet Competition is a premier student ballet competition, which has expanded into eight major metropolitan cities in the U.S. due to its growing popularity among dancers, studio directors, and the ballet community. Founding members Lisette Salgado and David Lucas's combined list of professional contacts allows them the privilege to recruit globally renowned dancers, company directors, and ballet school directors. These exceptional artists in the industry judge, mentor, and teach masterclasses during each UBC competition. Since its first season, UBC has hosted and mentored more than 10,000 dancers and awarded over $3 million in scholarships. Register today and experience the difference. More information and 2021-2022 tour dates available on their website, universalballetcompetition.com. That's universalballetcompetition.com. Special thanks to the town of Vail for their support of the Vail Dance Festival and Conversations on Dance live podcast recordings. This episode was recorded at the Manor Vale Lodge. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. On this episode of Conversations on Dance, recorded at the 2021 Vail Dance Festival, we give you an inside look at two roles that are essential to every dance and ballet performance. Today we are joined by New York City Ballet Assistant Stage Manager, Nicole Mitchell-Momen, and Lighting Director and Lighting Designer of Boston Ballet, Brandon Sterling-Baker. 
Nicole was the stage manager at Miami City Ballet for many years while we danced there. Brandon is Justin Peck's go-to lighting designer, and both Nicole and Brandon were two of our earliest guests on the podcast. These two have worked very closely for years, so we thought Vale would be the perfect opportunity to have them back on the pod to talk about what led them to the career that they love and to hear more about their respective roles in the performances at the festival. Hello, Brandon and Nicole. It's so nice to see you guys. We're in person. We're in Vail. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. pretty excited to be here. We are just fine. It's been a long night, so we're all good. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but we're definitely going to get into that because you guys have some crazy nights here at Vail yeah. um, where rehearsals go into the wee hours of the morning right. as late as 3 a.m. <laughs> oh um, but We'll get there. It's been a while since both of you, either of you, you, you were separate originally in your original um, pods, which people can check out. Um, well, Very old. Like you guys were like OG guests. Some of the OG guests. guests. Yeah. <laughs> because, because we love you guys. So, yeah. <laughs> um, But let's start with Nicole. Can you give us a brief uh, overview of what sort of led you into the arts? Oh, man. Um, in, like in general? In or general. Yeah, in general. Yeah. I mean, back in like middle school. I started doing, um, I got, I got into a, a, like a little theater group through Planned Parenthood in Naples, Florida that did protection awareness plays in high risk schools. Mm -hmm. And since then I just was like, oh, I love this. And in high school, I, um, stayed very, like very in the arts and just, I don't know from there, I just, you know, I danced and when I was little and went to school to at New World School of the Arts and then. I've just been I've just been in it since I was yeah. a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Brandon? I um I grew up in Los Angeles and I, mm-hmm. I grew up with like a, a family full of the arts. Yeah. And I started off as like a musician and then doing illustration and then later I discovered light. And I found that light was kind of this like beautiful bridge mm-hmm. between the world of music and the world of visual art. Yeah. And that's to be honest, totally why I love ballet. Yeah. To yeah. me it's the perfect like combination or ingredients of like those two worlds so yeah 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 brandon's answer is so much nicer than (laughs) (laughs) wow are we gonna make this a competition i like that (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna rate you guys i didn't know i had to like come like really prepared no there's no no preparation no no um so nicole then how did you kind of start to decide like oh maybe i want to venture into this like stage manager role because of course when we knew you we met you was at miami city ballet when you were a stage manager so tell us kind of how you got into that well um I was a performance major in college and to make extra money I would um stage manage or crew like the other divisions um Mm. productions because like the opera vocal arts um music division didn't have any kind of production help so I'd be like oh I'll do it Mm -hmm. sure and then when you're an under when you're in your like your lower class your freshman sophomore years you have to crew everything Mm -hmm. anyway And I just found that I enjoyed the rehearsal process. I enjoyed the creation process with Mm -hmm. my, my class or my castmates or classmates. And I didn't really enjoy like performing, especially in Miami. Like it was really, I just, I I enjoyed being backstage a lot more. Right. Right. So I just would, um, try to be a part of like every company in Miami. So I would volunteer to be backstage or I would, you know, work. Um, when I was, 
in college, one of my first like jobs in Miami outside of school was um, City Theater's Summer Shorts Short Play Festival. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met um, John Hall, the lighting director for Miami City Ballet, mm-hmm. and Kathleen War, who is the PSM at Miami City Ballet. Mm-hmm. So I worked with them every summer through college. Mm-hmm. And when I graduated, I was actually performing in, in a, a play in Miami. And they uh, emailed me asking if I'd want to come and assistant stage manage for her because she had just, you know, had gone through a change with her stage management staff. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Thinking I would go back to performing. Right, right. It would just be for like Don Q into Nutcracker. Right. And then I stayed and at, in the middle of Nutcracker, I was like, I absolutely love this. Oh. Like I would, I want to stay. So I told John and Kathleen that I was much happier stage managing at the ballet than I ever was on stage. Mm-hmm. And they let me stay. Yeah. So that was it. <laughs> That's awesome. History. Yeah. So um, Brandon, what were some of your first um, gigs, I guess, uh, where you started to fall in love with lighting? What, what, how did you get there? Well, I mean, I was saying before, I grew up as a musician. And so like being involved with music, you're always somehow involved with light, like, even if it's just emotionally, like you go see a concert, you're affected by the light. If you go see a play, you're affected by the light. Mm-hmm. And so I was always curious on how light could affect the way we understand work. Mm-hmm. And so I guess looking closer to ballet, though, when I moved to New York in uh, like 12 years ago and I was an intern at the New York City Ballet and I thought, oh. oh my God, this is the most amazing collection of art, of artists. And so I was like, well, how is the light being a part of that? Hmm. And so to me, it felt like the most honest uh, example of lighting for you know, for the stage, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, what, what I think is really interesting that I don't imagine most people immediately bring to the forefront of the, their minds when they're thinking of either of your positions is how important music is to it yeah i mean when nicole you're calling a show right. you couldn't just be like like my dad couldn't just do it like it's not like you just come right. in and you're like okay you turn on a light it's like especially with the complexity of the scores that you're working with like you are an exceptionally musical person and that is what enables you to to do the job you do right like how much how much does music matter in your world Oh man, music is so important in our world because often, I mean, it depends on the lighting designer, but often music dictates kind of what's happening. Um, So you have to really know the piece so well and you have to know the musicality to help create and help to help execute the designer's vision, Mm -hmm. right? Because often it's all music based, especially Mark Stanley, his lighting is very musical and it's very like, he's very precise about like, he wants to often see the light change happening with the music. He doesn't want it to look like it's happening after the music. He wants ah. it to look like it's happening together. Nice. Yeah. So you have to really know the music mm-hmm. really well. And it's also fun. Like I, as like a person who was like trained right. in, in, in uh, the arts and performed and I played an instrument growing up, like I really enjoy that. I like mm-hmm. I love the challenge. I love learning the music. I love being part of that musicality. Right. You know, you could just you can't just go run a stopwatch, mm-hmm. right? At the ballet. Yeah. Yeah. And this isn't just like you memorizing the music. Like you have you a notebook a that has the score in it. And so that's important to you when you're calling the lighting that Brandon has designed. So Brandon, how much do you work with that score when you're talking with a choreographer? Well, I'd say I think Justin's a great example. Like when when I worked with Justin Peck, we 
do so many works together that often begins always with the music. And I think that's true with almost everyone I work with. Mm -hmm. But what I love to do is study the music and understand if there's color in the music. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is often when we're hearing a score like Martineau or um, Sufjan Stevens even or Gershwin, there is like a subconscious color in the music right and so for me as a lighting designer i study to see what that presence is like mm. is there already color in it or do i need to add to it or is or can it kind of enhance it or like the times are racing we did at city ballet mm-hmm. it's basically all white light because the music was intense with color mm-hmm. in my opinion yeah right. so i i am obsessed with music so yeah interesting And I I think it's also super interesting, especially at New York City Ballet, that all of the students have to learn piano. Like music is so important in that whole training and that whole environment that everybody is knowledgeable about Mm -hmm. a score, about music. They know how to speak to a composer or a pianist about Mm -hmm. where to be. So I feel like you have to meet everybody at that level and respect how important the music right. is at, in any aspect of the performance. Of course. Do either of you ever have conversations with like the conductors or musicians? Oh, like all about, the time. Do you? <laughs> yeah. What, what are those conversations like, Nicole? Oh, it's some, I don't, I, I couldn't, but, uh, um, <laughs> <I wouldn't. laughs> but there's a lot of things that are like a collaboration a little bit between the, the, like the end of Western sometimes too. Oh, like Western trying symphony. to find the right place. Yeah. Right, Western symphony. Yes. Yeah. Where, where you, that? they do all the pirouettes from fifth. Right. as the curtain comes down so to find the right place to like if you try i'll try to talk to like maestro Lytton, which andrew Lytton, to um figure out like what's he going to do what does he want what is his vision right. how can i help him facilitate that oh, wow. along with the other you know the other ballet the rep directors and right artistic directors not to distract us from the larger conversation but <laughs> i'm wondering if you can confirm this story for me i've heard that western originally in this big finale where everyone, how many people are on stage? 32 at least? At least. I, 32 yeah, people, maybe 40, time. all doing pirouettes, consecutive pirouettes from fifth until the curtain goes down. I heard that the curtain needs to go down, come back up and go down again. I cannot confirm that. <laughs> but would that be a nightmare for you? Okay. I, I feel like it, because this would have been pre-state theater days, Coke theater days. Yeah. Um, so maybe it was easier. But like, can you imagine getting hauling that? Well, <laughs> if you guys recall doing... Um, La Patineurs in the at Naples Philharmonic. Yeah. That curtain is a pull curtain, not an automated curtain, right. and it is very difficult for the, the for the crew, crew to pull it down and then to stop that momentum to make it go another direction out and then stop that momentum and come back down. So it would be really challenging, yeah. physically challenging. So maybe it's maybe Dana Obama made that up. <laughs> I'll throw him under the bus. Happen. I don't know. It would That's be pretty funny. wild. That would be wild. That would be wild. Um, I'm also wondering too, when we're talking about something like Western Symphony, Brandon, have you done any work with um, pieces that are already established? Or are you exclusively doing designing for new works? So actually, the last time I saw you, I mean, a lot's happened since I last saw you, but I'm, <laughs> I'm now the lighting director and resident designer for Boston Ballet. Right. So half my life is recreating existing works, okay. and the other half is creating new works. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of both, like, and I think it has to be both. Mm-hmm. And right. so like, the way I, I phrase it is that it's kind of like being a curator for light. Like mm-hmm. I have to like essentially read the notes or the archives of old designers from like the 1940s, 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. and so on. And try to understand what they were thinking at that time. It's kind of like reading a diary. Right, right, right. And so um, that's still what I do. And even here in Vail, it's the same. Yeah. That's, this is really, I think this is a really fun topic. Like having, you having to like re-envision um, what the lighting should be. Because there, I'm, I imagine there are different lighting 
trends. Like lighting in the 70s sure. probably looked a different from that in the totally. 40s. In the yeah. same way that like totally. when well, a Romeo and Juliet production comes out, even though it's a classical production, like the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet will look different from the way someone would design it like mm-hmm. Sandy Powell did for Shakespeare in Love. Like right. it's So <laughs> right. do you have like do you think about it through those that sort of like prism? Are you like I have to bring it into the 20 20- first century but still respect that era as well you know what's so what's so perfect about this is the new justin peck work we're doing is this like chai pa remix i don't know what he's calling it we're officially so excited. we, we just, just heard about, about it today it. oh yeah. yeah it's epic so it's like exactly on the topic because mm-hmm. uh, justin and i were talking about this just yesterday with caroline shaw mm-hmm. and uh, we were thinking, well, this is a new production of essentially his version of Chai Pa. Mm-hmm. Of if, like, what if Chai Pa was created today? Right. But what was so important is the structure. Like, there's a classical structure to the ballet. And Nicole and I were just talking about this yeah. the other day. In, um, like, I haven't done much classical work just as a designer. I've always right. recreated a lot of work. Uh-huh. And so Justin and I spoke, well, what's, the, like, the visual frame of the work? Do we follow the structure of classical ballet? Mm-hmm. Right. Or do we um, go against it? And right. so what we're doing is we're actually leaning into it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But... With lighting that's from today's world. Right. right. And so if you look at like Chai Pa, it's like a lot of white light. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. a blue psych. Mm-hmm. And it's right. very classical and it's beautiful. Right. So, well, what's the version today? Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing is also white light, but with this really crisp, clean, symmetrical, modern kind of take that is still like a hint at the past, but right. very much today. Right, and right. so I think that that... Um, is a great example of like how can you look at the past but create something new for today right. or new for the future yeah. and so like Chai Pa Remix I think yeah. I love it. is the uh, so is a good example yeah. Yeah. yeah so Nicole how involved are you because you will be calling that ballet is that correct so how involved are you in the process when it's being created and when do you kind of like come in to find out what your role will be and what you need to accomplish well I like to go and um I go and watch rehearsals as much as I can to learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I will like kind of, I'll prepare my, my calling score um, before we go into tech. Brandon will send me his like use. And then really I become really more involved when we're actually in tech and Brandon has created his first round of like cues. Uh-huh. And then when we run it, He'll see things and then he'll tweak um, placement of things. Or if something's just not working, then, you know, he'll be like, oh, we need to try it this way. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I can be like, well, what about if I did it here? So that's where really the more like you get to kind of be collaborative and, and help help execute his vision. Sometimes he can say, I really wanted to do this. And I'll be like, oh, I know where I can call that. That right, will right. help. That will make that happen for you. Oh, nice. Okay. So that's like the most fun part of my yeah. job, especially with Brandon. Like I, there's nobody I'd rather work with. He's Aww. my favorite person. <laughs> <laughs> we have the most fun. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, what do the light cues look like, Brandon, when you send them over? Is it like a word doc? Are we looking at a score? What does this look that's like? That's a good question. It's, it's actually just a, it's like literally a list. It's mm-hmm. almost like a list format and okay. it's all, for, what it, all it lists is the number of mm-hmm. what the lighting look is. Mm-hmm. The concept, like mm-hmm. what's the feeling, okay. and then the placement, like when does it happen? Okay. And so I send that to Nicole or to any stage manager, and it's very much a concept sheet. Okay. And it just says, what are the ideas? And I send them to Nicole and say, this is how we have to sort of um, make that happen. And so and then it's a constant communication between the two. It's very like Nicole and the stage managers are my greatest ally. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. without them, I wouldn't be able to focus on the work. Right. So right. it's like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's talk a little bit about where both of you were um, leading up to 
March 2020. <laughs> so, Nicole, you had really settled in with your job at New York City Ballet. Everything was going great. Where were you mentally before that moment? Oh, my gosh. Literally, I was in our office at City Ballet prepping our tour for the Nico Muley Festival at... Um, Sadler Wells in London. We were going to leave that Sunday. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And so I was just getting last like paperwork together. Um, Jackie Reed, who's the other stage manager at New York City Ballet, her and I were like planning to go see the Choreographic Institute's performance that Mm -hmm. week. Like just regular like go mode, going to do the tour and then have a little layoff before coming back for spring season. Mm -hmm. So it was like fully in ballet world, Mm -hmm. fully focused, fully working. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, Thursday afternoon, it was like, just kidding. You're going to go home for a couple weeks. And I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll be back for spring prep. Our, our tour got canceled. And then it just was like, we weren't, we didn't come back. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Brandon? I was on, I was on, like, a crazy, amazing ride of, like, just many <laughs> different ballets. Like, yeah. the, the year started with, I was at, with the Joffrey Ballet, mm-hmm. um, Miami City Ballet with you, Michael, mm-hmm. for um, Justin's. Oh, yeah. Uh, rodeo Uh and Joffrey was the times of racing Mm -hmm. and then Boston Ballet Uh, we were about to open a program and then things shut down but it was this kind of amazing like um, acceleration of really exciting work so it's such a bummer Mm -hmm. that it all shut down but I was very lucky I think Oh, yeah. Like the last thing that we did together was uh, Damien Wetzel's demo at the Kennedy Center oh, on the 1st right. of March. Mm-hmm. Like I had just come back from that. Right, right. right. I, forgot. I keep forgetting. So like we were like, yeah, it was really exciting. It was like all this momentum. Right. I had just, you know, I was going on tour, like we were coming back. And at then that point, how long have you been with the company? I think it was Two years? four years. Oh, four. Mm-hmm. God. What I is time? So. <laughs> I think our like my fifth year was like spent in a weird limbo. Okay. Yeah. But I think... Yeah, it's halfway through the fifth year, I guess. So what's interesting to me is that, um, you know, we've talked to so many different dancers, of course, about their experience in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But even as hard as that is, they can still do a bar in their living room. You guys literally need (laughs) materials that you have no access to. I just got this vision of Nicole just like standing in her kitchen calling. calling. Out. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's probably happened. <laughs> yeah, I just I just played Divertimento yeah. on my Spotify <laughs> and call cues in my. That's so good. <laughs> sobbing in my um, kitchen. But I want to hear about how you guys um, made it through a very weird, challenging time, but without kind of any access to what makes you tick. Yeah. You know, you both love your jobs, yeah. and I'm sure it was very difficult in that way i feel like we have to like re we had to all of us i mean regardless of what you do for your in your life we had to reinvent what it means to be an artist Mm -hmm. and so um i had never worked in film or very rarely worked in film and suddenly i was lighting like 20 films throughout the pandemic so i was very fortunate and very blessed to have like work of some sort Mm -hmm. but i had to sort of make it happen and so I mean, the one really special project that did come out of the pandemic is I worked with um, Bill Forsyth on a new uh, Blake Works 2, his like sequel to Blake Works, mm-hmm. with Tyler Peck and Roman, and mm-hmm. um, and then also Jennifer Weber was not a part of that, another choreographer. Mm-hmm. So that was really special, and that was a project that probably would have never happened, right? Yeah. You know, if the pandemic hadn't come around. But um, I think there's something worth saying that's like it's it kind of made us all think about what it is that we love and what we, and if anything, like I went back to school really briefly, but then I was like, Oh my God, I really love ballet. And so who am I kidding? And so I, (laughs) if anything, it kind of reinforced my love for ballet, this whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, I really felt lucky in the fall of 2020 that um, Jacqueline Buglisi's Table of Silence was able mm-hmm. to happen. Lincoln yes. Center presented them. Mm-hmm. So that was something that maybe in past years, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go do this, but I'm also getting ready for City Ballet's mm-hmm. fall season. And this time it was like, I was just so appreciative to have something to work on and to see all those dancers come together and perform was so special. And to be part of that was special, right. and especially in the pandemic. And then I um, kind of did a pivot. I became a certified COVID safety officer. Like I took all of these classes online and I started working in opera as a CSO. So that was really interesting and cool. But it just, it really made me appreciate like ballet and how much I missed it. And finally, when, especially City Ballet's dancers, so when I got to see them perform Dances at a Gathering here, I was backstage and I just got really emotional. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I forgot, like I didn't realize how much I missed this right. until right. I saw them dance. Like it was uh. just a very special moment. Well, so it really made me appreciate yeah. everything much more. Yeah. Trained at the North Carolina School of the Arts and the School of American Ballet, at 20 years of age, Michael Lenglois was invited by Mikhail Bershnikov to join American Ballet Theater. Having seemingly made it to the top of his profession, he nevertheless spends his nights on stage at the Metropolitan Opera House, filling the gaps between the stars and the scenery, watching his colleagues dance in ways that he himself can only dream of. B+, his memoir of a 16-year career, is an unflinching view of the joys and hardships in a career in dance, as well as a behind-the-scenes look at one of the most prestigious dance companies in the world during the height of the ballet boom in this country. Get your copy of B+, now, wherever books are sold, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, books and books, or you can click the link in this description of this episode. We want to tell you about a product that I am currently obsessed with, the Olive and June Manicure Systems. I've heard about their products before and how they were bringing salon quality manicures right to your home. It did take me a little while to decide to finally dive in and give it a try, but I have to say, believe the hype. Their at-home Manny systems include everything you need to get the perfect manicure. Plus, they have tons of online resources that offer tips and tricks of the trade. At just $8 a Manny, save time and money with the perfect at-home manicure that truly lasts and lasts. I couldn't believe when I heard that their polish lasts a week or longer, but seriously, they do. I have even traveled across the country with no chip in sight, which we all know is a small miracle. They have so many beautiful colors, including gorgeous nude polishes that are perfect for on stage or in the studio. My favorite is called CCT. It would definitely be my go-to if I were still performing. Through Conversations on Dance, we are happy to offer our listeners 20% off their first-time order of any Olive and June system when you use code DANCE20 at checkout. That's DANCE20, all one word, or click the link in the description of this episode. The best way to support Conversations on Dance is to patronize our sponsors, so happy shopping! Brandon, how um, did you find lighting film versus stage? Did you um, feel like it's, it must be very different? It, the big difference, which yeah. I think everyone could probably understand, is that the difference between lighting for the stage and the and the camera is for the stage. I'm lighting for the human eye, right? And for the camera, I'm lighting for the camera right. eye. And what I've learned the most is um, is the sensitive sensitivity to color and to uh. and how it reads differently between the two mediums. Right. I have to say, I've gotten very used to it, and I've since then I've done so many film yeah. pro- projects. Like I just finished one with Lauren Lovett. Yeah. And Armani, it was like this really epic dance cool. uh, 
commercial, which is really amazing. amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. So it was fun. really cool. But all those discoveries and that education was through these this past weird year. Yeah. So I think I've been able to look at it in a really exciting you know way. And there's a reason why I'm hired because they want a dance designer. Right. And so it's kind of cool to have that sort of frame of reference. Yeah. And that's still within the family, you know, mm-hmm. so to speak. So. Yeah, totally. So how in recent months with live theater um, starting to kind of come back, um, what were some of your first things where both of you were back in the theater? Well, my first, my very first thing being like a stage manager back in the theater was I did um, an opera over at Juilliard Mm -hmm. and it was, it was really, it was really wonderful to be in rehearsal room again and to hear the incredible students sing um, and to be part of that. But then the performance aspect, it was only done for capture. So we just filmed it over three days. Mm-hmm. Each day had two, three hour blocks of filming. So that was, it was really different than something I had done. Like the last real film shoot I, did, I had done was mm-hmm. with uh, Miami City Ballet and PBS. Right. Wow. Oh, yeah. So you guys right. remember our yeah. great 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like was calling something that was just being shot. Right. So that was fun, but not as exhilarating as like a live performance in front of musicians. And we had, um, our maestro was also the pianist. So it was Mm -hmm. just a very small cast, but it was still great. It was just a weird, it was like, Oh, okay. I, I I can stretch this muscle a little bit. Yeah. 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 So that was in, you know, performance, the performers were all masked and that presented its own challenges, but, Oh yeah. Um, but it was good, but it wasn't as it's so it's so wonderful to be at Vale and mm-hmm. to be in front of like a real live audience right, with right. like really amazing dance performances yeah. again. Do you think you would have um, done opera had it not been maybe for this or had you done it before? I got to do a little opera over at New World School of the Arts mm. um, and that was fun, but it was such a different experience. And then going away from it for I was I don't know, like 10 years almost yeah. and being in dance, I think it. It makes me, I, I prefer dance, right. but I enjoy opera because right. opera combines, you know, a lot of the theatrical mm-hmm. kind of stage management things where you have, you're keeping track of all these props and like you're taking blocking again. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a little bit different than dance, but you right. still have a score and it's still very musical. So right. it kind of, it's a really kind of fun place to visit. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I don't know if I want to move to that <laughs> town. Are there other major differences other than just, you know, a lot of what City Valley does is really stripped down. So what you're talking about with props is not a common thing. Maybe Apollo, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Apollo props. Um, with with opera and stage management, it's really, it's very different. So theater stage management is different. And then opera is its own world. And you typically have the calling PSM. And then you have two ASMs, a stage right and stage left. And everybody is on the score all the time. Mm-hmm. And you are giving the singers their entrances. You have mm-hmm. to cue them to enter. Oh, they don't wow. learn their entrance music typically. Why can't they do that? <laughs> yeah, what? Why what's wrong with them? They have a lot of music to learn when they're on <laughs> oh, stage. I'm just kidding. No, no, just, no. But it's, it's kind of, that's so fascinating. That's, but it's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And so, and then also you give your, like one ASM typically would be your prop ASM. So they're right. tracking all of the props for everybody. Gotcha. And the other ASM would be like your costume ASM. They're tracking all the costume pieces because right. they are the last people to look at these individuals before they go on stage. Mm-hmm. And if they enter in the wrong costume or without their prop, it's the stage manager's fault it's not their fault oh my god so it's it's a little bit i mean that's not the only difference but those, sure, sure. it's a little bit it's a little bit different so it is fun to get to do those things and in ballet i'll make a cue sheet either in the score or i'll like kind of write down choreography mm-hmm. kind of like blocking for mm-hmm. myself so 
And the that's, dancers know their costumes and their and, entrance. And that's, I just love, they're very self-sufficient. It's very nice. I don't want to get too on a tangent here, but I'm really hung up on that. Can yeah, you I can't wait, get over like, that. just personally think for a second, if they only, like in the studio, we only learned our choreography and we had like, no, not no, no idea. idea. I'm sure they have some idea. Yes. But you're just like, imagine being in Miami City Ballet waiting for Nicole to cue you. I would, I would no. draw, I would die. I would leave the stage. Uh, yeah. That was, I would never terrible. go on. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> but I guess that's something they do. So, And then what happens if like you forget, then the performers are mad at you. But like, shouldn't well, they know absolutely. their entrance? <laughs> it's a little bit different, I suppose, if you look yeah. at it as in how long the opera is. And sometimes the chorus might have like 40 people in it. Yeah. So you're never going to get everybody together right. to rehearse the whole thing in one room. So the chorus is only going to rehearse their numbers and the, the soloists are only going to rehearse their parts. Mm. So you need somebody to be like, oh, guys, I know you weren't here for this like 30 minute aria yeah. duet situation, right. but now you're all going to enter for your sure, chorus sure. thing you learned. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I have a question for you, Brandon, that's kind of specific to Vale, but I'm sure it's something that you've come up um, with a lot whenever you do outdoor performances, which of course is something that's happening a lot right now. How do you light during the day that's a good and question. then... At night, the performance happens, of course, when it's dark out and then you see the lights. Or, and also here, the first half of the program, generally, it's still kind of light out. So how is that for you? <laughs> it's it's for sure a challenge. Yeah. But I have to say, I mean, this is my third season now here mm-hmm. in Vail, and I have learned a lot yeah. about that that sort of craft of uh-huh. how to light something with to sort of compete with the sun, so to yeah. speak. And I guess what I've learned is like just last night I, I lit um, a new Michelle Dorrance piece and a new Jamar Roberts ballet, mm-hmm. and both of which are very very different in style. Jamar's piece is super like edgy, very dark, very saturated in color, yeah. and the Dorrance piece is more about the direction of light. Mm-hmm. And so what I have to to light is like think or think about when I'm when I'm lighting a piece is well what's going to read, like mm-hmm. what's going to read on um, during the day, what's going to read at night. And what's the most important thing for the ballet? So it kind of comes back to what's the essence of the ballet. Right. And so um, what you ha- what I have to do is just think about color. I have to think a lot about um, basically, again, like how something may read in the space in terms of like our dancers going to be still visible. And mm-hmm. But right. what I've found is that lighting everything at night tends to be best. And then yeah. that way, if the sun does come, you know, I can adapt as right. needed, mm-hmm. but right. it's always a little bit of a mystery. And so when, when yeah. opening night happens, it's sometimes the first time I ever get to see the light. Right. right. I was wondering night. that too. It's very true. It's like, I mean, there's, it's often the case. I can would you, say. Can you make changes in the moment or I, you can, but okay. I'd like to not, it's just a little yeah. risky. Yeah. That, that makes sense. It's a little jarring. Yeah. Cause yeah. all of a sudden it could be really distracting. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I would do only do that if it was an emergency. <laughs> right. Situation. Right. Right. But, but I have to say like, again, after three years, I've gotten very good at that balance between yeah. daylight and night. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you literally had to light a ballet called In the Night, not In the in Night. The night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, that was, <laughs> it was daylight out. I, I will say that was the lighting director of New York City Ballet, John Cuff, who lit that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we did speak a little bit in the process of like, I know it was new for him as well. Right. Um, and even like the idea of follow spots was a thing. And so right, right. it's fascinating. But also I have to say what's really interesting, which I think maybe listeners or you guys don't know is that this conversation Uh often happens with Damien and Russell and Mm -hmm. I. Uh So we talk about it in terms of programming, right? Like Uh what needs to be at night, like what ballets need and, or like the new Dorrance piece is Uh going to be, we were joking last night. It's going to happen at like every time of day, like five o'clock, seven o'clock, nine o'clock and so on. So the version I lit last night was kind of a, a fun pack. It's like, it'll work for all of them. (laughs) Um, 
you, you got me thinking. I mean, we, of course, people tell these little like anecdotes of like, you know, a time that something goes awry on stage and how you have to like fix it in the moment. Mm-hmm. And you don't think too often about like a lighting disaster, but has there ever been a moment where you were just like in it and you had to fix something that had gone wrong? I think, I think the greatest fear or greatest challenge, I should, I should say, in, in Vail or even any outdoor venue is being too bright. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, one could argue it could never be too bright. But um, I feel as a designer, every light is a choice. Every design idea is there for a reason. So if it's bright, that's a choice. Mm -hmm. So my greatest fear always is that it's too bright. (laughs) And so I try and it's a a fine line. But that's the only thing. I've been very lucky. I haven't had many issues, so to speak, knocking on You you never had the lights go out mid-performance like as we did. Nicole's had that. (laughs) We had that a couple of times. Twice. Yeah. Miami City Bath. Oh, yeah. Good times. So so then you tell us what your side of that experience was. We know that side. Well, let's tell our side. We'll tell her side. Are we talking the Symphony in C in Naples? Or the Chaipon in West Palm Beach? Oh, or the, I was thinking Wait, Chai, that happened in Chaipa too. Chaipa, we lost power to the light board, and so the light, the queue will hold for an undetermined amount of time, like maybe three minutes. And so Renato was finished. Renato Pensiato was finishing his variation in Chaipa, and the lights, as he was like touring and landing on his knee, the lights were coming off upstage to downstage. So it was like the last panel, and then the midstage, and then like, and then <gasps> as he exited, we lost all of them. So I had sent Eddie Currington down to the pit to tell Maestro we weren't going on. And then we grabbed Mary Carmen Katoya from the wing so she wouldn't enter because she would enter in the oh, dark. No, she yeah. she, was, she was ready to yeah, go. She would have. She, would have. she, she totally like, would have done that very The still out there. I can still spot. <laughs> Spotlights are Here still Here are my working. wet days. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. And so then we had to reboot the board. We, we fixed it and then we yeah. continued. But I had to make that announcement like we're having technical difficulties. Oh, my God. Funny, I don't remember that. Yeah. I mean, we were probably getting ready. Which, um, yeah. do you remember what which time um, it was, Chaipa? Like, was this with Westside or was it with somebody in three? I think it was with Symphony in three. What about so you? Yeah, we would have been getting ready, I guess. And I guess. Probably. Yeah. You guys were probably getting changed. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the one I was thinking of was like Patterners. Oh my in God! Naples, the Naples, Naples, Naples. Oh no, no, no! That no, was in Broward. Symphony. Naples is Symphony and C. Yeah. Oh, Naples. So in Le Patner, we were doing this very challenging end step where we're all crossing each other, it, doing grand jetés. I blocked and this out, but it's coming back to me. It was <laughs> the, what's the hardest ballet anyway. So you're we're the deadest we've ever been on stage, and then you have these crossings. So with the lights coming out. You thought you were gonna body slam. We wanted. People. I said something. I was like, "Watch out!" Like, yeah, Rebecca screamed <laughs> <laughs> because I, I literally, right before it went out, someone was like coming right at me, and I was like, "Oh my god, we can't see." So, what was that from your perspective? Well, from our perspective, it's it's like you. There's a lot of talking on headset to, to make a plan to figure out what the problem was, and then we're always concerned with the artist safety is like the first thing we're worried about, and then the next thing is how do we continue? Right. So. Um, it's very like a quick like okay well we got to stay calm and just mm-hmm. trying to fix the situation and I don't recall why we lost power at the Broward Center it's that day. It's funny oh that God. it's all three different theaters. Yeah, like, it's a common theme apparently. <laughs> just in a Florida, Florida moment. It's a Florida thing <laughs> that hasn't happened at City Ballet. No, we had one situation where we had I forget like one Dimarac went went awry and so we had to finish a ballet without light on the first panel but we fixed it Mm -hmm. um for the next for the next act i don't remember what happened Mm -hmm. but one thing that i really appreciate about city ballet 
they make their stage management team be really involved in the lighting. Mm -hmm. So we have to call the light focus for each ballet Mm -hmm. because each ballet, we have a general, what we call a rep plot. And then each ballet kind of has specific lighting for it. And they might use specific lights in a different way than another ballet on that program. Mm -hmm. So at an intermission, we'll kind of refocus for the ballet. Mm -hmm. And um, as a stage manager, you're the one on the headset telling the lighting directors like okay these lights need to go to this place and they should be in this color this is their focus and then the lighting director knows what all of that means and he mm-hmm. can direct the electricians to make the changes mm-hmm. and so I now have a, a much better understanding of what's going on so when I'm calling a ballet I'm watching the stage and everybody else might be doing paperwork especially something that you know we do all the time like mm-hmm. right. like a serenade or like a right. tripod sure so I am now better at seeing what's wrong and being able to tell the lightboard operator, oh, we've lost a cell of ground row upstage. I need you to roll out group like um, 653 or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know. So I know how to fix things better because of New York City Ballet. Right, right, right. So we're, we're also like stewards of the ballet. We try to keep it looking good when Brandon leaves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if we see anything go wrong during performance, we can like make the adjustment to right. fix it. So it's... Mm-hmm. So the audience won't even know it, that it's happened, yeah. you know? Cool. Can we, before we move on, just get Nicole Mitchell's take on the Symphony and C debacle yes. of 2009 <laughs> in Naples, Florida? That was the craziest <laughs> moment I've had backstage. We've had some incidents during Nutcracker with that traveler scrim mm-hmm. for our snow transition before where we've had to stop the show. But the Symphony and C was, was pretty wild. Um, what happened was there was construction nearby and they had cut the power, the main power line to that whole area in Naples, Florida. And so we lost power. And then the emergency lights came on. We were in the middle of Symphony and C finale. That's right. that's right. And so the audience lights came up because that's part of the emergency system. And a few overhead lights on stage came up. And so it was of complete blackout and then the emergency lights came on the calm that we speak to the the backstage uh, headset communication yeah. that was gone because that's all power based sure. oh my god so um you were pa- you were powerless we were powerless you do anything we still had our radios so uh-huh. i could talk oh, to okay. john hall on radio and um i had to walk out on stage and speak to our our maestro did he what at what point did they stop playing how, how did when, this? So in the middle of the finale, when we lost power, mm-hmm. I think they just everybody kind of stopped, stopped because mm-hmm. the musicians could no longer see the music. Right. And then once the emergency, <laughs> once the emergency lights came back on, um, it was interesting because some of the dancers took a B plus pose, and then yes. other dancers, like our friend Didi Brahma, was just like, "No, we're getting off stage." And he was like, <laughs> "Peace." <Yeah. laughs> he just like walked off. He's like, "I'm not no." <laughs> so um, once we, you know, it felt like it took a very long time. But I think it only took about a minute or two mm-hmm. to get it together to figure out we would finish, yeah. uh, which is still a long time for on stage. Right. But I had to walk out on stage to the edge of the pit and speak to Maestro Sheldon about um, what we were going to do. And so we decided we would do the finale again. So then I had to actually tell the dancers like standing on stage, OK, guys, we're going to go for the finale again. <laughs> and I got some pushback like, no, because it's very hard. Well, yeah. You know, that you guys are moment, so tired. Female principal was just like, are you? 
<laughs> yeah, just kidding. Just again, we're just do your go whole again. part again. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, they always say, do like if you're doing something hard, do it twice in a row in the studio so that you can manage together the show. <laughs> right. So just but kidding. Sometimes you gotta do it twice so in a row. Sometimes you gotta do it twice in the show. Um. So then, and then we went on and we did it, and we could still bring the curtain in because it was, you know, an old old school pulley yeah. curtain. And that was it. Was pretty crazy. It was. I was really proud of everybody for finishing, though. Yeah. I'd yeah. forgotten that. And they yeah. wrote about it in the paper. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? No, <laughs> they wrote about like how we triumphantly came back after losing power. This so is a, another tangent. Sorry, I'm really taking us <laughs> off. But and this, and Dana Oppel, I'm second shout out of the podcast. But I remember one time when they were doing lecture demonstrations, and he was doing Tarantella. There was a CD, and the CD when he was done with his second variation, Tarantella is one of the hardest things. You have opening two variations each and then a little kind of you finish her off with some more virtuosity he was done with his second variation and the cd skipped and they made him go back and they had to do the whole thing no that is so terrible he's he was like i've never been more tired in my life oh my god it's just like you thought i mean i can't even fathom he's a delight too (laughs) we love daniel um just to before we wrap up tell us um what you're both looking forward to about coming back to live dance, maybe some of the next things that are coming up within both of your respective companies. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm first, I'm so in love with Vale. I have to say like, it's such a dream to come back here. It's like, I always joke. It's like the justice league of dance. It's like, (laughs) everyone's here. It's amazing. And like just the people, everyone's very like-minded. I feel. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited for the new Jamar Roberts piece. Mm -hmm. That's premiering soon. Justin Mm -hmm. Peck's new work. Um, this, I mean, I've, I'm lighting so much. I'm lighting 22 ballets this season wow. here in Vail, so I don't remember them all sure. right now. <laughs> but Give us every single one. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> in but the, chronological order. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, but I, it's a huge honor to be back here. This is my first season in Vail as resident lighting designer, so that's a really exciting moment just to be able to, like, um, influence some change here in the yeah. festival in a really great way. Cool. And, and I know Nicole is in a similar position. And so there's that. And then next, I mean, there's a lot coming up in the fall with Boston Ballet mm-hmm. but next season's pretty amazing like, I'm lighting I think like four or five new works for New York City Ballet and there's a lot of great things coming so I'm very honored and I'm happy to be back yeah um like kind of on the same line that Brandon says it's incredible I love being in Vail and it's it's a lot of work but I've really I wouldn't the people we work with are just the best. They're so smart and so kind and so innovative that it's it's just so inspiring to be here. So the amount of work is, it's really a lot of work, but it's completely worth it because you leave feeling recharged and inspired. Yeah. And then uh, that that is going to carry me into, um, when I go back to the city, I'm going to get to be part of the Band Together concert. Oh, great. Which is so cool because it's like all of the big companies coming together to perform together. Mm-hmm. Um, I just um, did my lottery tickets today. I'm trying <laughs> oh, to come. Yes, I, I hope you're there. That would be so fun. <laughs> and then um, I'm just looking forward to being with my New York City Ballet family again. Yeah. Like It's been so long. Um, so we're all getting really excited for our fall season and, and fingers crossed there's big things coming. So we'll see. I'm just really excited. I actually lied. I do have one more question. What is your average sleep per night here at Vail Dance Festival? (laughs) You guys work till like sometimes two or three in the morning, right? I'll go first. So so the, um, (laughs) 
I ha- what's interesting is the past Nicole and I were just talking about the past uh, two seasons that we've been here. Yeah. It hasn't really been too bad, but now this year that we've sort of taken on new roles within yeah. the festival, um, the hardest night is we there's there's like one or two overnights, and then we often get two hours of sleep. Oh. And that was really bad. And so, <laughs> so uh, I am. Shocked. Yeah, but oh I have God. I have to say, and I and I owe a lot of credit to. Kyle Grant, our director Absolutely. of production. He's amazing. And Roya Bob, who mm-hmm. just added to our team this year from Alvin Ailey. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's a lot of great changes that maybe that won't happen in the future. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. on average, I would say it's probably like six hours. Yeah, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Wow. The struggle is real sometimes. It's but a lot of work. But even though we're work. exhausted, I, and I think Nicole feels the same way, I wake up every day really excited yeah that's awesome. oh 100 like we can't wait to go to work in the morning it's so great so so much so that sometimes we just don't go home and we just stay <laughs> we just stay at the theater all the take time take a little nap Literally. and then get up nap. <laughs> I mean. well thank you guys so much it was so fun to talk with you both and we're always happy to see you here in Vail. thanks for coming thank back you. thank <laughs> you for having us